a Radio 191 FM podcast. Six cultural artefacts of Indigenous Australians held in the Tahura Otago Museum will be returned more than a century after they were taken. The collection of items were taken from the Warumungu people, who are the traditional custodians of the Tennant Creek region in the Northern Territory of Australia. Tahura Otago Museum acquired the items between 1910 and 1937 through exchanges with Museum Victoria and amateur archaeologist and ethnologist Frederick Vincent Knapp. Joining us live to speak about the repatriation of these culturally significant objects is Robert Morris, who is the museum's Director of Collections, Research and Education. Kia ora, Robert. How are you doing? Kia ora. Very well, thanks. Robert, what does the um, process of repatriation look like? How, how did these conversations begin? It's, it's actually quite a lengthy process. Um, we were first approached by IATSIS, which is the Australian Institute of Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander Studies, who are based in Canberra, and are a peak body that represents the Indigenous communities across Australia. They have a program called the Return of Cultural Heritage Program, whereby they're looking to see the repatriation of Aboriginal collections to communities from overseas collections. So this particular program focuses on Australian collections that are held overseas or outside of Australia. So they initially asked us for a list of what we house, and we have about a 1,000 objects from different Australian um, regions, most of which is unprovenanced. Now, that means we don't know what tribes they belong to. So we forwarded the original list to them, and there were some items in there that had been recorded as coming from different communities. And these six items were noted as coming from the Watamungu people in the Tenon Creek in the Northern Territory. That then started a conversation about the likelihood of their return, and so we were keen to facilitate that process. We, um, like many museums, are on a path of reconciliation and decolonisation, and a key aspect of that for us is to recognise the source communities that contributed to the collections that we have, either directly or indirectly in this case. So these items were identified as significant. There is then a process of um, repatriation claim, and we have various policies that cover the processes by which that happens. So the next step was for them to do a formal submission to the museum and we then work with our own Maori Advisory Committee as our source community um, to assist with those sorts of processes. The research that IATSIS undertook on behalf of the Warramunga was incredibly extensive and it revealed some really interesting elements of of its history. These items were originally collected by Spencer and Gillen who were two of the most famous Central Australian explorers of the 19th century. They were commissioned, if you like, by Museum Victoria to look for these kinds of materials, and they were part of the Skin tribes. So they had developed a relationship with peoples like the Warramungu where exchanges of things like tins of tobacco and food for Aboriginal artefacts was made. And that was quite legitimate, and it was with the support of the the communities at the time. They were then handed over to Museum Victoria to build up its collections. Mm. Now, at the beginning of the the late 19th, early 20th century, the bigger museums around the world were all busily exchanging cultural material with each other. It was great, you know, all these white people could come in and say, we've got some really nice Aboriginal stuff, can we swap it for some Maori stuff, please? And that's the sort of systems that went on at the time. Um, Since then, these collections have been used to illustrate different stories and cultures, etc., etc., but they're not. But they are of significance to these communities, mm. and it's 
time that we recognise that significance and ensure that where it's appropriate that they are returned to the, those communities. As you said before, you have a rather large, rather extensive collection of Indigenous Australian artefacts at the Otago Museum. Mm. These, the specific artefacts that are being returned, the ones in question, are they, uh, are they a higher degree of cultural significance than some of the other ones? Is that why they're being returned? In a sense, a lot of the material we have is what you would call surface find. So if you go walking in, in, the, in the bush and you see some flints that have been worked, you can pick them up and think, oh, well, this is Australian Aboriginal, mm. but you won't know any more about it than mm. that. And the bulk of our collections are that kind of material. So it's useful for us for sort of comparative ethnographic studies. You know, did they make their flake tools in a different way than other cultures did and why was that the case, et cetera, et cetera. Mm. So we learn a lot about these peoples from the, their material past. Mm. But in most cases, we don't know the individuals who made them. Uh, so can you tell us a bit about the, um, the items in question that have been returned, more yeah. specifically yeah, what yeah, has yeah. been returned? There's, there's one boomerang, um, which is probably a utilitarian item because it's not painted, so it wouldn't have been used for ceremonial purposes. It would have indeed been used for hunting, etc. Wow. A double-ended adze, which is quite an interesting thing. It looks a bit like a digging stick, but it has a flake, a stone flake, um, hafted with a resin at each end, so it could be used for, for carving, cutting, digging, etc. Mm. And then we have four ceremonial knives, which are also known as martans. These are flint blades with a wooden handle, and the handle is hafted onto the blade with um, a spinifex resin, and then the handle is painted with ochre paint. So there's dot paintings on the, on the handles themselves, which is quite characteristic of Central and Northern Australian art. Um, so, and they would have been used for ceremonial purposes, uh, and but not what we call secret sacred. And in, in Australian cultures, Aboriginal cultures, there's men's business and there's women's business, and it's secret and sacred so it has to be treated quite separately and only um, mature adult males can have access to secret sacred men's business and similarly with women's business. I found it fascinating when I was working over there I once asked we know quite a lot about this secret men's business and very little about secret women's business and I remember asking a senior Aboriginal woman why this was the case and she told me we're not stupid enough to tell you. So that's why we know so little about women's business in Australian Aboriginal cultures. Fascinating. Um, Robert, I want to get a bit back to repatriation more generally. So... Mm. Museums worldwide are, are having to come to grips with the history of you know, how their exhibits have been obtained. Uh, the British Museum, for example, uh, has long been criticised for its possession of very important cultural artefacts. Scott, you, you were talking about yes, one before. Yes, uh, the obvious example being the, um, Elgin, the Elgin marbles yeah. as they were possessed by yeah, Thomas yeah. Bruce. So as more and more of these kinds of items are being returned to, let, let's say, their rightful owners, uh, we're, it's a way of righting some of the injustices of the past. Where do modern museums fit into the, all of this? I think modern museums have a really critical role in this in the sense that they are the, the, the holders of a lot of this cultural material from these different cultures. And in our efforts to work more closely with our own Indigenous peoples, we need to recognise the rights of others as well. And so it's part of that broader pattern of reconciling our collections with the communities that we serve. And... In many ways, I see this as a really bright future for, for New Zealand museums because it's about building relationships and establishing trust with these communities. And the ideal for us, that on, on the one hand, museums worry that they're going to lose significant items. 
that they're going to disappear back to the to their source communities. But I think if, and as we've been experiencing with working with Naitahu here, if you work with the communities to ensure that the collections are safe, they're cared for, and that they're accessible for the community's use, then in many ways you will strengthen the um, interests mm. in museums retaining these materials in the future. So it's about learning how to work with the communities, what their needs are, and ensuring that you can service those needs. Mm. There's obviously a lot of respect um, around the return of these items yes. coming from the, both yeah. the museum and the indigenous communities. Um, I guess what I want to know is there also a sense of loss somehow the, of, of uh, you know, components of the museum's uh, you know exhibits that 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 are somehow maybe not reduced is probably the wrong word, but there's there's less significant cultural material. There, I think there will always be that sense of loss um, in a sense because curators invest a lot of time and interest in these things, and uh, curators are curious animals. They um, are quite <laughs> obsessed with collections, and they're often referred to as my collection rather than the museum's collection. So the, there is that kind of mindset that still permeates in some areas. But increasingly they're recognising that if they wish to continue to build their collections, then they need to do it cooperatively and collaboratively mm. rather than just treating it as, a, as, as an extension of some anthropological study. Is there some kind of ceremony that's going to come along with the return of the items? What Very likely. We haven't, we haven't figured out the details as yet, but we will be... Uh, on behalf through our Maori Advisory Committee and on behalf of Naitahu, we will be welcoming welcoming them to country, as the Aborigines would say, and then they will have a ceremony um, to receive the goods. It could well be a smoking ceremony, which is like a cleansing process. Right. I'm slightly worried about that, though, because if they start bringing smoking embers into the building to clear the space, we might set the fire alarms off. <laughs> Got to be careful of that. This was a Radio 191 FM podcast. You can find more at r1.co.nz or wherever quality content is found.